0: And welcome, everybody, to episode number 17 of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. I'm your host, Rob Fedoff, also known as RPT. You can find me on Twitter, at fedoff. Again, that's at P as in Paul, T as in Tom, H-I-T as in Tom again. O-F-F, Frank, Frank. For all Notre Dame athletic athletic updates, please go to my Twitter account. And this episode is presented by BetUS.com. Bet with a three-decade leader, BetUS. Join now for a 125% bonus using promo code DSP125. Again, that's promo code DSP125. Or a 200% bonus with crypto using promo code DSP200. Again, promo code DSP200. And bet sports, casinos, horses, pop culture, and more at betus.com. You bet, you win, you get paid, betus.com. So as many of you can hear now, my voice is kind of shot at the moment. Obviously Notre Dame uh played a lot better than I thought they would last night. They still lost. It wasn't the deficit I predicted 52 to 24. However, the closer we got to the game and it looked like we could possibly pull this out and we should have. We'll get into that later. Uh anyone that knows me, I get very uh, animated during games, especially when they're close. I scream a lot, I shout a lot, cheer a lot. And by the end of the game, my voice was shot. It's a little bit better today, but just got to drink some water and uh I'll be fine in a day. So, again, um, it was closer than it was, but I'm not for moral victories, especially with this team. And I know we're, we're probably not at the national title level yet, but pretty much it's been the same story, not just in the past 30 years, not winning the big game, but in the last five years, starting in 2017, the defense has showed up. The defense is represented. It's just the offense cannot get over the hump. And it's, it's getting ridiculous because I know we had a lot of uh, issues at wide receiver, but for us to only have 10 points, I know it was on the road. We had some injuries, a wide receiver, only got five receivers left, one is a walk-on. But you cannot tell me Jim Knowles has turned around OSU's defense in one year. He's a great defensive coordinator, but where, we had, where he has been in the past, Oklahoma State, Duke, it usually takes about anywhere between two to four years to turn it around because it's a very complex system. And I know OSU has a lot more talent than Duke and Oklahoma state. They got the four and five stars. People said, well, that's why he turned it around so quick. I'm not buying that. Nothing against Tommy Eichenberg. Uh, I believe he's the middle linebacker for Ohio state watching him last year, probably their, one of their weakest links. We made him look like AJ Hawk and James Larry last night. It was just unacceptable. The, The offensive line. It's still a mess. And I know we have Harry Heastead back. He was the coach when we had those stellar offensive lines, you know, 2015, 2017, and then he went to the Bears. However, the offensive line, like in 2020, they were pretty senior oriented. They just had Jarrett Patterson who played last night. He's like the lone senior from that group. They pretty much could coach themselves after Harry had left. And then once we got Jeff Quinn, we saw with the younger guys last year they just couldn't put it together. And I think this is going to be another. It's going to take some time. I mean, I know he's a great offensive line coach, but but they're ter- not terrible. But the inside, especially the interior line, just got just got blown off last night in the lo- line of scrimmage, pretty much. So again, that was the outside wasn't as bad, but the inside of the interior line was just it was just dreadful. You can't tell me. Ohio State has turned it around on defense that quick. Maybe I just I, – I don't think I, – I told all of my Ohio State uh, friends, I don't think you're going to really know if it's – how much it's turned around until you play an actually good offensive team during the year. So having said that, again, pretty much to get back to pretty much since 2017, the defense was pretty much a point of emphasis – for athletic director Jack Swarbrick. So after the 2016 season, we finished 4-8. and Horrible defense. It was coached by Brian Van Gorder, who got fired, I think, after the second season. He was buddies with Brian Kelly. And more or less, if he didn't fire him, he was going to lose the team. Like I said, he's pretty loyal to his buddies, but even for that, he was not going to keep him on the team. And after the season, Jack Swarbrick pretty much said, you've got to change the defense or you pretty much your job's on the line and got Mike Elko, got Clark Lee. They turned it around really quick. After one year, Mike Elko goes to Texas A&M. Clark Lee just keeps that defense rolling. He leaves after the 2020 season, takes the Vanderbilt job. We get Marcus Freeman. We know what he can do. And I just think during that time, I just don't know if there's been a lack of focus on the offense. But at the same time, let me take a step back. I pretty much know. 2017, we also hired Tommy Reese to be the I think just a offensive assistant and quarterbacks coach. He gets promoted in twenty twenty, so he's been the offense coordinator twenty twenty, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two. And again, I don't want I don't want to be this a podcast of just you know panicking. I know it's only the first game, but and especially for the coaches, it's just their first year at Notre Dame, and you know the first year players. But those players that are experienced and those coaches that are experienced, Tommy Reese, this is his third year. And everybody would always say, and a lot of the Notre Dame pundits have said Brian Kelly was the the big problem. You know, he was holding the puppet strings to Tommy. Well, he's not micromanaging him now. But that that display last night was pathetic. I mean, just absolutely pathetic. We moved the ball a little bit well early on, especially with Aldrich Estime. And again, there wasn't, like I said, oh OSU was pretty much stacking the box pretty much. And there wasn't much, you know, inside at all. But Aldrich Estime was really getting some tough yards, you know, banging pretty good. And after that touchdown that Aldrich Estime had, again, he's, I told you about the podcast I had with my cousin, you got to watch out for him. He's like a mini Jerome Bettis and they got to use him a lot more this year, scored the touchdown, but then they just kind of went away from that. And the weird thing was too, I think the most targeted player for the wide receivers and nothing against Matt Salerno, but he's a former walk-on. He had the most targets, probably all the receivers. It's just, again, I know we have some deficits at wide receiver right now because of injuries and, and experience. But, Tommy, it's your third year. You've got to get creative in some way. You can't tell me OSU's defense is that much better from last year. So, in any event, it, it just seems from 2017 to 2022, it's been so much of a focus on defense. And, yes, you need to have a, a decent defense to win a national title. But this game has changed so much. I'm not saying you have to have the 2019 LSU offense of Joe Burrow, but you've got to move the ball. You've got to score more than 10 points. You got to score in the 30s about every game to be a national caliber type team. And it's just ironic. You know, in my lifetime, 95, we lost to OSU, 96. And then it was the bowl game of the new year, 2006, and then 2016. And then last night, obviously, this was the closest contest, and this was the best defense we probably ever had going up against OSU. Those other teams, ironically, had great offenses. We just had the worst defenses. We had Charlie Weiss defenses. You know, Lou Holtz at the end of his career at Notre Dame, the defenses weren't that great. So it's just ironic. You know, we had great offenses with Brady Quinn, Jeff Samarja, you know, Darius Walker. And then even the 2015 team going into that 2016 Bowl, probably Brian Kelly's most talented team, but then Malik Zaire, uh, he got hurt right away. The second game of the year, he, he probably would have been Brian Kelly's best quarterback. Broke his leg. Deshaun Kaiser, who had a decent year that year, but wasn't a great leader. He was a prima donna. Malik was a great leader. And then you lost Torian Folston, great running back. But then we had CJ Prosize That was a team with Will Fuller again. Probably Brian Kelly's most talented team. And even on defense, there was a lot of talent, but they had a horrible. They had Brian Van Gorder, horrible defensive coordinator. So again, it's just. You know, all those years we had great offenses, needed the defense. Now we got the defense. We just can't get the offense. And I think there's talent there. And I'm not calling for Coach Reese's firing, but he's got to change it pretty quick. I mean, he's been there three years. If this continues, again, I'm still saying, even though the defense I, I think is championship caliber, I'm still saying nine and three. Because until until I see that offense, somehow scoring points, because Again, I'll get into this later in the podcast. You can't keep the defense out there the entire game. And you thought we got tired last night. Wait until we get into game seven and eight. And if that offense isn't, you know, giving them a spell once in a while to save some energy, I said nine and three. It may be eight and four. So so let's get into the game again. Like I said, we made uh, Tommy Eichenberg, you know, his brother Liam played for Notre Dame. Last time we had a good offensive line, but we made him look like A.J. Hawk and James Laurinaitis. Unacceptable. Aldrick Estimate should have played more. Um, we held OSU to 21 points. A lot of people are saying that's probably the least amount of points they're going to score uh, for the 2022 season. We'll see. And I looked it up this morning. This was the last time the lowest amount of points uh, OSU has scored. It was in 2018, prior to this game last night. 2018, they lost 49 to 20 to Purdue. Remember the game, Tyler Trent, uh, the student who had terminal cancer, and he died later in the year. And I don't know if anyone could beat Purdue that night. It was just, you know, perfect story. They played out of their mind. They held, but that was at Purdue, not at the Horseshoe. 49 to 20 on October the 20th, 2018. Their last home uh, it was actually a home loss too, where they were under 20 points. So, again, we held them to 21 last night. Oklahoma in 26 – no, I'm sorry, September the 9th, 2017. That was the team with Baker Mayfield where he planted the flag on the O. They beat him 31-16. to And that was probably when OSU's last sort of – it was still when Ryan Day was uh, implementing his system. That was Ryan Day's first year. So you really can't go off that first year. But – That was the last time they were under 21 points. Well, 21 points or less, I should say, compared to last night, where, um, again, five years ago. So we did a pretty good job there. And again, not to sidetrack too much, but again, that was Ryan Day's first year. And again, I'm not calling for Tommy Reese's head, but if this continues throughout the year, and I I I know Marcus Freeman's not like Brian Kelly, where he's going to be loyal to his assistants. If they're not doing the job, he's going to cut the cord pretty quick. I mean, he's got, I think he's going to be on a short leash as well in these next couple games. But again, when OSU had that not the greatest offense after that national title year, I mean, 2015 was a pretty good offense, but in 2016 they lose 31 to nothing to Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. And Urban Meyer, say what you want about him. He's like, I'm done with this offensive coordinator. What's he do? He hires Ryan Day. When Nick Saban couldn't win by just great defenses anymore, Alabama, when OSU knocked them off in the 2000, um, uh, would have been the 2015 playoff for the 2014 season when Zeke Elliott ran all over him. He had an average offense, average quarterback. He goes out and gets Steve Sarkeesian. And I think now he still has Bill O'Brien. He he knew you have to start scoring points. So not to digress too much there, but what did OSU do when their offense was struggling? In 2016, you know, they had JT Barrett. He's kind of like a Tim Tebow type. He goes out, gets Ryan Day, and one of the best offenses around right now. So uh, so let's see. So like I said, lowest point total at the shoe since uh, five years ago. And again, I said, if you told me we would have held OSU to 21 points, I said we win the game. But again, I wasn't expecting 10 points uh for this offense it just and again just again Tyler or Tyler Buckner did he play the greatest game no but he was not intimidated at all I don't think any of the Notre Dame players were intimidated at all going into the horseshoe Tyler Buckner I I thought he played okay I mean granted does he have to play better yeah especially when no one else is giving him help and he has about two seconds uh to make a decision I mean the first play on a RPO whether he was going to you know Give it to the running back, or what he went to was uh, Lorenzo Styles for that fifty-four yard, fifty-four yard gain. I mean, he barely had time to first play. So again, he—I think—is he a superstar? I don't know yet. But CJ Carr, people, is not coming until at least next year. He's still a junior in high school, so in theory, he's probably not going to be on Notre Dame's campus for another two years. But He can, after this season, after his junior year, he can reclassify and skip his senior year and come to Notre Dame next year. But again, he's only 16 years old. His body's not a college body yet. So we'll see how that goes. But again, for the most part of the game, it was 10 to seven. And right after the second half, I'm like, oh, great. Ohio State's going to go down and score and then put our offense in a bind. We hold them right away. I think it was a three and out. But again, we punted. I, I got the stats right here. The last six possessions we had, we punted. And I think we maybe crossed uh, midfield once. I mean, Notre Dame had, again, it was not until 17 seconds left in the third quarter. We were still up 10 to 7. We probably had, what, three possessions that we could have, I'm not saying put the game away, but had Ohio State on their heels. And during most, until the fourth quarter or late in the third when they scored that touchdown on the third down, and I'll get to that a little bit later, we had them. I mean, we had him. Ryan Day, he's got that natural rosy cheeks, but he was getting agitated. Those cheeks were getting redder and redder. C.J. Stroud was rattled. He had to make plays down the stretch. I mean, he's a great player, especially that last drive. I think he had like two third and about third and eight, third and tens. And it was when Ohio State's receivers caught it more or less. It looked like they were out of bounds, but they weren't. He had to make a perfect play. Our defense made them do that, make a perfect play out of that. So, So let's see here. Again, last six possessions, punts, unacceptable. And pretty much, I don't care how good our defense is, they were getting tired. And I know they had chances to make a play. But again, C.J. Stroud made two really good throws to the sidelines. And again, you can't ask your defense for for anything more. I mean, that last drive. So the first touchdown, OSU had a short field. I think it was only about a a 50-yard drive. (laughs) So that was their first touchdown. And then the one right before the third quarter ended. And then the last one, they went 95 yards and 14 plays. Our defense was gassed. Again, I know they had chances to do it, but 14 plays, 95 yards. And Stroud just made some perfect plays, and our defense got tired. My only my only criticism our defense, our D-line was pretty average last night. Had they got some more pressure on Stroud, I think we could have had a couple picks because our secondary was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. But Isaiah Foskey, defensive lineman, preseason All-American, got to do a lot better, Isaiah. Uh, not a great performance. The Adamiola brothers were nothing special. I remember uh, Jason this week. I believe it was Jason, not Justin, said, you know, we're the biggest, the baddest mother effers on the defensive line in the nation. We have the baddest mother effers uh, defensive line. You didn't last, especially you. You got to look in the mirror and get a lot better. But, again, they weren't getting blown off the ball. At all, I mean, yeah, were they anything special? No, uh, linebackers were okay. Bo Bauer, I thought probably had the best game. Maris Leafall was expecting a little bit more, but the secondary, Cam Hart struggled a little bit early. He gave up that early touchdown. He took a uh, a wrong angle, but he was pretty much solid the rest of the game. And then writing this down, Benjamin Morrison, true freshman, outstanding, one hundred ten percent. That kid played his ass off. True freshman, he was number 20, just ball hawking all nights. because I was more looking forward to true freshman Jaden Mickey, who played a decent game. He did get burned on that. Uh, it was the third and long where that was the only call where I thought defensive coordinator Al Golden made a bad call. But I was up late listening to a lot of Notre Dame uh, insider podcasts, and they were saying that was not Al Golden's call. It was just a miscommunication between the young secondary and that's where Jaden Mickey got burned but that was probably the only i thought Al Golden and coached uh, Al Golden be the defensive coordinator for uh Notre Dame Al coached Ryan Day on the offense there but Benjamin Morrison quarterback true freshman outstanding outstanding job there so again just looking at my notes here so let's get into the stats I'm kind of got running longer here than i thought i would but it's just it's just a frustrating game it's it's all offense Related. We should have won this game. I I would have been shot. If you told me, I I said it before, 21 points, I would have said we win. I mean, even though our offense isn't great, I I would have thought they could have scored more than 10 points against OSU's defense. So here we go. I'm just going to run through the stats real quick. Uh, First downs, we had 12, uh, OSU 22. Third down efficiencies, 3 of 13, which is pathetic. And then OSU had 7 of 13. This is telling right here. Total yards, 253, which isn't good enough. Ohio State only had 395. I mean, they were putting out 500, 600 yards last year. And think about it. Those 395 yards, 95 of those came on that second-to-last drive where Notre Dame was just gassed because they were out in the field too much. So it's kind of misleading stats because it looks like it's 400 yards until that second-to-last drive, Notre Dame, they had him. I mean, the defense had him. Uh, let's see, completion, Tyler was 10-of-18 for 177. Not bad for his first game, but no touchdowns, no turnovers. That's what I like. We had no turnovers, which is good. We didn't create any turnovers either, but, again, pretty clean game on both sides there. Uh, C.J. Stroud, 24-34 for 223. So we, we held him pretty much in check. You know he had two touchdowns. Here, again, kind of misleading rushing. We were awful, only 76 yards. OSU was 172, but, again, a lot of that was on that last drive when we were gassed. Uh, Rushing attempts, that 30 for 76, OSU 35 for 72. Average rush, 2.5 for us, and then 4.9 for OSU. Penalties, 5 for 61, and they had 7 to 75. I know a lot of people thought that was a targeting on Brandon. Brandon Joseph hurt another great he's a uh he's a transfer from Northwestern. Great pickup. We all thought we would lose we'd be missing Kyle Hamilton. Brandon Joseph uh picked off right where he left off. And I thought I didn't think Kyle Hamilton had the greatest year last year and he was hurt pretty much the entire year. Brandon Joseph, Joseph balled out. I mean, I know that hit looked he just rung his bell good. It was to me, it was illegal hit and uh on Jackson Smith and Jigba. But again, um secondary a plus plus coach coach mike mickens you did a hell of a job uh he should uh he should take tommy reese out for bowling to show how it's done i mean i know offense and defense two different things but reese you're on a short leash right now so anyway uh so time of possession 2701 for notre dame 3259 for osu and let's just look at the uh look at the box score again rushing. I said Aldrich Estime nine for twenty-one, but I think those were early, early attempts. I don't know why they they got to get him involved more. Chris Tyree, again, get him in space. Tommy, he's one of the most dynamic players on the team. I mean, he's like a little, like I said, a poor man's Reggie Bush. Get him out in space and use him. Oh, actually, look, I, I actually Logan Diggs Dick here. I thought he was out last night. He had four for nine yards. Uh, and then for OSU, again, Trayvon Henderson, 15 carries for 91 yards. And then I think it's Myron Williams's name, 1484. Again, a lot of that was the last two drives. But then here's the, the thing for me. I'm not going to get into Ohio State's receiving because this is a Notre Dame podcast. Our re, our receiving yards, Lorenzo Styles, the first play of the game, one for 54. And I don't think he was targeted ever after that long pass. Again, that was a quick RPO that uh, Tyler Buckner had to make a quick decision. He got smacked in the mouth pretty good, but he made a great throw to Lorenzo Styles. He actually almost scored on that, but then nothing after that. Braden Lindsey, 1-32, of 32, not good enough. Michael Mayer, I know he's considered the best tight end in the country, and I like Michael Mayer. I've always thought he was a little bit overrated prior to last night's game. He had five catches for 32 yards. He had a real nice catch, and then he fumbled it. Luckily, he got it back. Blocked horrible last night. He To me, he's always been an average blocker. Matt Salerno made that great catch. And again, hard-nosed kid, walk-on. And he was probably targeted the most last night. One catch for 31 yards. And then he had that. Again, they went deep to him again, and that's when he had that offensive pass interference call. Again, uh, I think his name's Kyle Bauman. Uh, one for 22. Chris Tai, one for six. Again, not good enough. But we kept Ohio State pretty much, except for the – I think I'm pronouncing it right, Bouquet, he had a pretty solid game, 9 for 90 yards and one touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr., 5 for 56. Xavier Johnson had that big touchdown for them to go up 14 to 10, which pretty much, again, I kept thinking during the game, okay, I know Ohio State may go ahead, but our offense has got to get rolling pretty soon. But after, after um, they went up 14 to 10 and I thought, okay, I think now the offense, is, it's got to click eventually. And it didn't. And once they didn't, I'm like, we're screwed. Unless we can get a turnover like a pick six, this offense is just not going anywhere. And we just wore down. So, so again, we, we held, we did everything we could defensively to win this game. We should have. All we needed probably, I think if we just get a touchdown and go up 17 to seven and then somebody get a field goal, I don't think Ohio State can come back. I think that I said Ryan Day, he was agitated. CJ Stroud, they were, they were flustered both of them were flustered and i think they would start pressing and then maybe we get a turnover all we just had to do was get a a touchdown go, go up two scores and we had this i mean we we had this game which is why it's just so frustrating why we cannot get this offense again tommy's been there 5 years 3 as the offensive coordinator and again i'm not calling for his head right now we got we got 11 more games and we should We'll probably be favored about the majority of them, probably not Clemson. But again, I don't think you're going to see a, we got Marshall next week and I'll have my show this week. We'll do a preview and won't be much of a preview because it's Marshall. And it's only the second game of the season. There's not much data to really go off of. And I don't like to look at last, last year's stats, but really until the Clemson game, that's the next really good defense we're going to play. Uh, we got North Carolina. They just gave up 61 points to Appalachian State. I know it was at Appalachian State, but come on. We've got to score on them. So until we get to Clemson, I mean, you thought Ohio State played well in defense last night. Clemson's going to make them look like the old Ohio State from last year because Clemson's got one of the top defenses in the nation and their offense sucks. Maybe they won't suck by then, but again, that's going to be a true test to see if this offense is somewhat, I don't want to say fixed, but getting better. So let me see here. I'm just trying to get my notes. Pretty much good there. Again, Benjamin Morrison, kid played great. Number 20, look out for him. True freshman. Again, it's just, um, oh, here, let, as I close out here, again, I'm going way too long. This is probably going to be a half hour. I only wanted to do 10 minutes, but it's just, had we gotten blown out last night, this podcast probably would have been at ten minutes. You know everything's expected, but it's just so frustrating. We 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 had it. The, finally, a big game. We're not intimidated. And again, Tyler Buckner played, I think, as well. He's he, Tommy didn't put him in situations where he could succeed. He was not intimidated at all. I thought he played a, a solid game. But again, it's just the defense is there. It's just the. Why is the offense just look so anemic? I mean, they look worse than last year. The offensive line looked worse from last year. And, again, a lot of these Notre Dame pundits on other podcasts, oh, everything's going to be fixed now. You know, Harry Heastead's got the offensive line. We've been looking at practices. Practice and playing on the field is two different things. And the thing with college, you don't have scrimmages to kind of tweak things out. And, again, offensive line – Play calling was just—it was worse than last year. So, but what I did like, what I did like, because like I said, and again, I don't want to—I said Marcus Freeman is truly his first year. Before I, not to say I'm going to give him a mulligan this year, but especially the first game, I thought he he did well, especially a lot better than the bowl game. He looks, he looked just kind of lost during the bowl game when we blew that lead to Oklahoma State. He was he was animated at times. He got pissed off, and I wanted him to get. I'm pissed off right now. I'm really pissed off especially at the way the had played, but he was, I mean, he was, I, I, I saw, I didn't see him dropping F bonds, but I heard some, you know, I heard some, I was reading some lips. So, and I like that. Cause we had like two, we had to call, uh, where the offense wasn't set. We had to burn two timeouts early in the second half. And that kind of killed us at the end to just try to, you know, pretty much try to make a game of it for the last four minutes, but with only one timeout, we really didn't have a chance. But again, he, um, he was, um, and I know he did the political correct thing on during the press conference last night. He didn't throw any of his assistants under the bus, but I think behind closed doors, again defensively, Al Golden was fantastic, except for that one play. And from what it sounds like, it was just a miscommunication between his players. Uh, Al Golden was lights out calling defensive plays last night, but with Tommy, he's got to say, hey, you know, it's your third year. I, I guess there's got to be some accountability there, but again. I liked he was. I always like when football coaches are kind of like basketball coaches. They're animated. It means you know they're they're making adjustments. Whereas guys that are just like this, you know, during the game. I know Mike Tomlin does that a lot, but he has records and you know the the accomplishments to uh, back that up. But again, he uh, I, I just like I just think they're more involved when I when I see it a little bit more animated. When, I'm not saying they got to be turning blue or purple like. Brian Kelly, but again, I finally saw that emotion and he's a competitor and that's why I have faith in him to turn this around. Again, I think I'm still saying though, nine and three, and if the offense can't turn this around, there could be another loss at eight and four. Uh, So just again, not to say I'm calling for Tommy Reese's head right now, but he has got to figure this out. And here's the thing too. I, I just started thinking about this last night. Where did we get this narrative that he was just this offensive guru, genius, boy wonder? He just turned 30 years old and everybody acts like he's just this offensive genius. When has this happened? We've never had a high octane offense with him. He's when he was quarterbacks coach, Brandon Wimbush came in as one of the most highly touted quarterbacks coming in 2017. He ended up transferring to uh, central Florida and he never turned out at all. I know Ian books, the most the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. He's a three-star. We got the most out of him, but he wasn't anything special. Actually, Phil Dracovic uh, was Christ should have been the starter during those times. Like I said he he hasn't developed any sort of superstar quarterback. And I know his dad was this. Uh, I think he I don't know if he coached at UCLA, but somehow he was affiliated with UCLA, and now he's some sort of consultant for Notre Dame. And I think he had coached with the Bears at one time, but just because his dad was some, you know decent coach or, and they said, you know, he's grown up with it. It's, it's kind of like his playing days. I mean, 2010, he was mostly the starter that year. They finished eight and five. 2013, he was mostly the starter. They finished, what was it? Nine in, no, wait, 2010. Yeah. Eight and five, 2011. He was mostly the starter eight and five, 2012. Everett Golson was the true uh, starter. He did come in in a couple games and fairly decent. And actually, when Everett got that concussion in that big win against uh, Stanford that year, he came in in overtime again. He was all always called Tommy Turnover because he had a lot of interceptions, but he did lead them to a touchdown. Now, granted, not to nitpick here, but he threw a touchdown to TJ Jones. It was way behind him. TJ made a great catch, but again, we beat Stanford a big win, and he didn't lose the game for us. But it wasn't a perfect performance, and then. When Everett was suspended the next year for grades, Tommy was a full time starter, at nine and four. So I'm just thinking, where do they get this narrative? Average player at Notre Dame, I mean, like two, three star kid. And he coached, he was like a graduate assistant at Northwestern. He's done some stuff in the NFL. They keep saying, oh, this is the next one of the next brilliant minds going to be a coach in the NFL. Where do they see this? And again, I, 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 he's he's a good guy from what I hear, but just because his dad was this coach doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach. And not to get political, it, it's like George W. Bush. Just because his dad was president, he probably shouldn't have been president. He probably should have been a bartender or running a ranch. He seemed really good at that. He seems like a nice guy, but probably wasn't cut out to be a president. Just because your dad was something doesn't mean you're something. So again, I'm just saying, where did this narrative get off that he's just such this offensive guru? And he's only 30 years old too, and he started like at 26. I know sometimes they say, no matter what age, if you can coach, you can coach. Okay, that's fair. Mike Tomlin was, I think, at 30, 31, maybe a little bit older. Uh, defensive coordinator for Minnesota Vikings became the Steelers head coach at 34. You know, say what you want about him, he's never had a losing season. He's won a Super Bowl. The teams never really imploded, uh, you know. Sean McVay with the Rams. Some say he's not as good as they think he is, but again, sometimes experience really does matter. And that, like Al Golden last night when Marcus Freeman hired him, I really like that hire because a lot of the coaches at well Notre Dame are very young. I mean, they're in their mid thirties. Tommy's only thirty. I, I don't know if there's anyone. I mean, Harry Heastad's in his 50s. Al Golden's in his 50s. There might be one or two in their 40s, but it's mostly like early 30s, mid-30s. And nothing against young guys, but sometimes showing some gray hair and experience is it's what it's about. And we saw that with Al Golden last night. And the more I look at Tony, as you can see with my hair, mine's going to get a lot grayer too if Tommy continues this just inept play calling. Again, guys, we, we 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 should have won this game. We should be one and zero right now. We scored seventeen points last night. I, I think we we have Ohio State. They maybe make it uh, 17-14 and we hang on at the end. But how we just scored a touchdown? I we had them. I mean, that that they were on they were on the ropes until that, like I said, that late touchdown, and then we couldn't respond, and that was it. So again. So let's just see. here. I'm just going over my notes, just trying to make sure I've... Cause I, because I like I said, I, I love Marcus was pissed off last night. I was pissed off. And I'm just, I try to get all my thoughts down on my pieces of paper today and get it out of my system. And now we got to get ready for Marshall. Let's see the next two games, Marshall and Cal. Are we really going to know what this team's about? So for the next podcast, we're going to talk Marshall. Not going to be that much, but then I'm going to kind of get into our opponent's schedule kind of say, hey, the you know, our OSU this week has Arkansas State. And then, but I this morning though, I, I kinda went through the schedule. And for all of our opponents, 10-1 yesterday, and actually one UNC who beat Appalachian State, they also beat uh Florida AM last week. So of all of our opponents, there's been 12 games and their record's 10 and 2 right now. So I kind of always want to because like last year that was the thing too. Like some people said, well, Tommy's offense last year started to come around. We had a weak schedule last year. I know we finished eleven and one, but it was a weak schedule. And I know they, the offense came around, but it was against inferior opponents. This is this schedule, especially like right now, it's a hell of a lot harder than last year. So uh, again, I'll do that a little bit more during the March, because there's not going to be much to say about Marshall. We'll kind of go through the schedule and see and the thing is too it's not done yet clemson plays tomorrow so i can't get that full right now it's 10 and 2 our opponents it's probably going to be 11 and 2 so we'll get into that next so let me just see what else again we went over the stats just kind of looking again my, my only disappointment with the defense the d line didn't get i know howard cross had that early sack on cj stroud but they They didn't represent like I thought they would. I thought that was our strongest part of our team this year. And the secondary is the weakest. Not last night. That secondary balled out. Balled out, especially newcomers, Brandon Joseph. Again, except for early on Cam Hart, he looked like an All-American, like he was playing like last year. And again, the freshman, Benjamin Morrison, number 20. And don't discount Jaden Mickey. Again, he got burned on that late touchdown. But another true freshman that we – that the future does look bright. But again, Tommy Reese, again, is he, I, you know, it's the first game, but he's, is he the answer? Because it's the third year. Again, he's only 30 years old. Do, we need someone, like I said, with a little bit more gray hair on the sides because we we just cannot keep doing this. Where, like I said, you thought our D got tired last night. If this continues throughout the season, there so many team late in the year, let's say Boston College, let's say we do with you know, our the transfer from Notre Dame. If our D's out there for so long and our offense, can't score that late, you know, that, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, just getting tired at the end of the year, the stamina, the stamina is just going to keep going down and down the longer they have to stay out for the entire year. So again, hopefully we can turn it around. We probably won't, Really get to see if it's turned around somewhat until the Clemson game because that's the best defense we're going to see, and that's not till I think November 5th. Well, here I did this this morning, so yeah, November the 5th. Because we again, again, we'll do this to schedule more in the next podcast, but obviously, OSU won last night. Then we have Marshall, Cal, UNC, and I picked us to lose to that, but that was before. But, again, we'll see how things go. But if UNC's defense continues to just be doll crap, uh, I may switch that pick. BYU, that's going to be – they don't have the greatest defense, but that's a decent offense. That's a Shamrock Series game. Then we got Stanford, UNLV, Syracuse. So, yeah, we got – one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games before the – so maybe seven games before we really know if this offense is clicking. But, again, don't discount Tyler Buckner. I thought – at first I thought – is he a superstar? Maybe not, but he was not intimidated at all last night. So again, this will probably be the longest recap I have just because it's a frustrating one. It's the first game. There were so many unknowns. And again, I didn't want to talk. As you can see, my voice is still shot, and but I'm still talking. So again, we'll uh, just got to bounce back. But again, it's the offense. It's not to say the defense played perfect, but as I have preached and preached since doing this podcast, we have got to get some sort of, again, not the 2019 LSU offense, but got, you've got to score at least 30 points a game to compete in the playoffs and against these high caliber matchups. So again, um, everybody have a good uh, Labor Day weekend and uh, we'll talk Marshall for the next podcast. And as always, go Irish.